Hi, podcast listener. Welcome to Truth About Exits, a show dedicated to pulling back the curtain to reveal what it really takes to get deals closed. You'll hear directly from founders of companies who have raised capital, sold their companies, and even those who acquire other companies for growth. I'm your host, Corin Woodmass. I'm a dealmaker, advisor, and when I'm not closing deals, I love to talk to others about their deals and what it took to get them closed. And now you can listen into these conversations too. For all the show notes and more resources, go to truthaboutexits.com. And we're live. So today on Truth About Exits, I have my good buddy, Nate Ginsberg, on the podcast. I've been trying to uh, to get Nate to talk about some of these topics for quite some time now, so I'm excited to get you on here, mate, and introduce you to our audience. Nate, thanks for joining us. Hey, Corin, thank you for having me, and yeah, I think uh, share your excitement and getting to dig into, yeah, well, whatever we get into here. <laughs> Awesome. So just as a little bit of a high point, why you might be interested to a few highlights that you might want to look out for on this interview. Nate has been traveling the world for quite some time. So location independent. He has started, exited a number of companies and also is an investor, active investor in a number of other companies. And also we'll get to what he's doing now. So you've some would say a full cycle entrepreneur starting and exiting. So yeah, there's a lot to talk about here. But mate, I'd love to start with where you and I actually met. So we met in Chiang Mai, Thailand, in the north of Thailand. And we had a conversation. Do you remember the first time we met? It was at, I think it was at Warm Up Cafe. Ah, well, I remember I remember hanging in Chiang Mai. I guess now this was like more than five years ago. And yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if I remember the specific at at warm up but so i think we were walking back towards uh, our apartments or something and we'd kind of met at a dc gathering and we were walking back and happened to be walking together i'm pretty sure this was the first night and we were kind of kicking back and forward oh what are you doing and what are you up to kind of thing and i remember you saying i've got some affiliate stuff and i've got some other stuff that like you had five or six things going on i was like oh wow okay that's interesting and maybe you're trying some stuff out or not really sure what's working but it's like okay cool and you know we were building an e-commerce business at the time and we didn't really know what we were doing either so it was kind of okay we're just getting started but that was to consider where we started from to where we are now is kind of super interesting <laughs> so um, yeah yeah i mean definitely i mean i think i do remember yeah the walk back in santitam yeah to wherever we were staying and and yeah i mean you know at that time i did have you know a few affiliate sites i think you also might have had some like seo stuff going on you know, I was doing some kind of random freelance marketing or project management. And yeah, definitely, you know, was trying to figure things out. And uh, yeah, I guess things have, have, you know, changed or progressed a lot, you know, over the last five years, I, I know for us both. And it's been been super cool to, you know, from then, both of us doing, you know, whatever we were doing. And, you know, now to, I mean, you know, be able to you know, just like, you know, be friends throughout the whole process and our journeys. And now kind of, you know, in some ways, you know, coming back together, you know, here now and, you know, in similar spaces. And yeah, it's been a crazy journey. <laughs> Absolutely. So do you remember how or why you got into selling products via Amazon in the beginning? So the FBA stuff? Yeah. So, you know, I first got into, you know, being an entrepreneur or, you know, trying to be an entrepreneur, you know, now it was maybe, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And, you know, like you mentioned, when we met, it was doing okay, you know, was making a little bit of money, supporting myself and was traveling. And, you know, that was kind of the first goal. But, you know, that wasn't the the end goal. You know, I was definitely like had aspirations and wanted to do something bigger. And yeah, that's like, you know, hence, I was, you know, trying a bunch of stuff at, you know, the time we met and, you know, it, it was going okay, but but none of it really seemed to be that, you know, big opportunity or like the opportunity to really, you know, grow or take things to another level. And so it was, you know, was continuing to try things and, you know, had a lot of friends or, you know, met a lot of people in the community that were doing different e-com stuff, drop shipping, and as well as then uh, Amazon FBA. And so, you know, like I had 
tried pretty much everything else that had uh, seemed like it could have been a, a decent opportunity anyway. And so, so then was FBA just started to know more people that were having some good success with it, including some pretty close friends and good friends that were so generous with their time and sharing their experience and knowledge. And, you know, really just, you know, I mean, not just encouraging me, but just explaining how that business model works and really just like what to do. And so, so yeah, you know, gave that a try. Yeah, it started going better than any of the other things that I had going on or that I had tried. And, you know, a couple months in, it was clear that this was going to be the thing to focus on and to, and to grow. And so, yeah, that's how, you know, I kind of got into FBA and was just, you know, working on building and growing that business as much as I could. Awesome. So yeah, it's when you get that initial traction, when like you said, okay, this is the thing, right? And typically when it's working, it's going to happen pretty quickly. Um, Derek Sivers talks about this with CD Baby, where he was trying to be a, a musician and get his band out there, but this CD Baby thing was just super easy. It just worked <laughs> and worked pretty quickly. So that's one thing is once something takes hold in the beginning, that's when you know, okay, I should double down on this and, and focus on it. But one thing you did mention there just in passing that I really want to highlight, something that I've been impressed to watch over time is your ability to be able to ask questions and engage with people and seemingly get them to share <laughs> everything with you straight away. So obviously, you may or may not have some strategy behind that. But I'd be interested to find out, do you have a framework that you consciously think of? Or is it just honestly being curious and curious about what other people are doing? Yeah, great question. And yeah, I mean, it's something that like, you know, if there's anything to credit to I don't know anything that I've achieved so far, or I'm sure will achieve it's, you know, from having the opportunity to you know, learn from other people. And yeah, I think it really, I mean, I've always been a really curious person. I remember, you know, when I was young, just like, would always like ask a lot of questions. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, you know, as I got older, like I still, I don't know, yeah, just like very curious. And especially like, I don't know, like my favorite, maybe like my favorite things to do or in the world is just like interesting conversations with interesting people. And, you know, when I meet someone then or now, and, and if they're doing something that I think is interesting or is new, I'm just genuinely really curious. And so I ask a lot of questions. And some stuff I've learned is that people generally like to talk about themselves <laughs> and yeah. I'm genuinely interested. And so I just ask a lot of questions and they're generally happy to talk about what they're doing and how they got there. And I've also kind of you know, over the years, I guess, become, I don't know, I'm comfortable asking questions that other people might not ask or be shy to ask. And I mean, I usually preface it with something like, if you're comfortable sharing, you know, I'd love to, you know, I'm curious to hear, you know, like, you know, what do you pay X or, you know, what kind of margins do you target? Or I don't know, like the questions that I think are, I mean, important, you know, genuinely curious about. So yeah, just kind of having the I don't even know if it's like courage, but just like, I don't know, asking questions that some people might not ask. And something that I've actually found is that like people, I don't know, pe people actually like getting the like, you know, harder or like less surface questions. And I think it's actually helped build a lot of really, you know, strong and, and great relationships by just like asking good questions to people. And, and then like, I don't know, I mean, they're usually pretty interesting and then we become friends and, you know, then we just kind of keep talking and have the opportunity to keep learning and yeah. I'd call that a superpower, mate. <laughs> that is something that people, anyone can build as a skill, but that's definitely a superpower. I think there's nothing worse than small talk in the world. <laughs> there's too much of it. So yeah, that's awesome. So that actually segues perfectly into getting your first investor on board. And so it was mutual friend of ours who invested in your company while it was in hyper growth mode. So did that come about through conversations or did you directly say, hey, I'm looking for capital? How did, how did all of that come about? Yeah, good question. And 
Yeah. So it was interesting. Like when, you know, you talk about that kind of, you know, hyper growth period. And I remember with my business, there was like a four or five month stretch that sales were doubling every month. And I mean, it started the first month, you know, it was like July, it was like 1500 in sales. And then August or June, it was, I don't know, 1500. And then it was three or 4,000. And then it was 10,000. And then it was 20,000, then it was 40, then it was 80. And, you know, coming into the holiday season in, I don't remember what year, maybe it was 2015 and or 20, yeah, 2015 or 2016. And, and, you know, came into our first like six figure sales month, which like, oh, like that's awesome, super exciting. And, and I mean, is awesome and was awesome. But I remember also like looking at my bank account and being like, oh, wow, like I'm selling all this stuff. But, you know, I basically had the same amount of money in my bank account as, when you know we met in Chiang Mai the couple years before, and so I was thinking like, okay, like you know this is all great, but maybe I could or should take some chips off the table, or just like I don't know, it was like you know the goal wasn't to sell a hundred thousand dollars a month. I mean, you know, not that that you know wasn't a goal, but the goal was also like have more than ten thousand dollars in my bank account, and so you know with that in mind, I was kind of you know thinking about this stuff a little bit. And just kind of, I don't know, maybe, you know, do I sell or sell some of the brands or, you know, what could I do to give myself a little stability and breathing room? And, you know, around the same time, our mutual friend had recently exited, had a, a, you know, pretty substantial exit. And we'd been friends the last few years as well, hanging out in Vietnam. And yeah, you know, we're just, you know, you know, friends and stayed in touch. And anyway, we, we were both back in Vietnam. This was like, I think, you know, in January after that, you know, our first big holiday season. And, and you know, we were just catching up. And I, you know, I think I, I just kind of mentioned, I mean, I had no idea if or that there was any interest. And I just kind of mentioned like, oh, like, yeah, and you know, business has been going good. It's growing. And, you know, I'm thinking about maybe, you know, selling some or selling a brand or, you know, something to, you know, kind of take some chips off the table. And, you know, and then our friend also kind of casually mentioned like, oh, like I'm looking to invest in some businesses. And, you know, then that was kind of the start of what kind of became this sort of uh, dance, so to speak, over the next kind of couple of weeks or, I mean, I think it was, you know, probably over the course of maybe, you know, in the next month or so that we came to an agreement and yeah, I sold 49% of the business and was able to get a little more than $10,000 into my personal bank account. (laughs) (laughs) Which is awesome. I remember your brother, Jeremy posting about the deal after a little bit after, I think he was saying how proud of you he was. And that was really nice to read. But also, having been alongside you in Chiang Mai in those early days, I was so proud for you, man, for that to come through. That's amazing. But I would love to dig into with what you can reveal, obviously, with whenever we're talking exits, there's a lot of confidentiality involved. So feel free to talk as much or as little as each topic as you'd like to. But I'd I'd like to know some mechanics here because a few years ago, I started trying to get some of our clients to think about taking on an investor instead of a full exit. And most people I spoke to were saying, I don't want to give up equity. (laughs) I'd, I'd just prefer to sell the whole thing. And I could see with some of the brands, some of the businesses we were talking to, the trajectory and where it was going. And for me, it was like crazy to see that they'd just prefer to sell the whole thing. And sometimes that is the right case. And obviously, as the entrepreneur, that's the best thing is it's your asset. You can do whatever you want. But what was the thought process for you for selling 49%? And then after the transaction happened, how much of that cash did you actually keep? And how much of that cash was earmarked to go back into growth, growing that business? Sure. So, you know, some of my thinking was, well, I mean, first, our friend that invested like, one of the you know most successful business guys that i knew also just like super good person as well as well as like you know very successful in his career and businesses and i was i mean i don't know i mean i think i'm i'm still young but was younger then <laughs> and some of us we were we were talking a little bit about before we started recording of this whole like the long term view and you know i was thinking like you know not you know i'm like a long term horizon like oh like would my, you know, life and career be 
in a better place if I went into business with this very successful friend. You know, that could increase my chances for or the opportunities for long-term success and and yeah, and you know, fast forward, me and that person who invested in in my business, you know, we've now partnered on on a number of deals together and so that, you know, yeah, I mean, they're like our business relationship has certainly continued. And yeah, also part of it was, you know, to get some cash off the table, put some money in my bank account, you know, e-commerce is expensive and growth is expensive. So that was certainly a factor, not the only or the biggest. I think maybe the biggest one actually was kind of like the opportunity to like, you know, think bigger. And it was cool, you know, getting that like, you know, in different kind of conversations as we led up to the deal, as well as just kind of, you know, thinking about it in general, that being able to like take some chips off the table kind of gave me the opportunity to think bigger and swing bigger. And since I had more security or stability, it gave me more confidence or, well, yeah, the confidence to think bigger and swing bigger because, you know, I already had that some sort of financial, you know, foundation. So yeah, I mean, a, a combination of, of, I think, all those things that led me to be interested in selling the little less than half of the business. And, the, and then I guess also the, I don't know, maybe the last thing is that I retained control. And so it was, you know, I was able to get some cash, but it was still, and it was clear in the discussions that like, this was still my business, I was still going to run the show. And like, yeah, like, you know, we could talk about stuff and bounce ideas or whatever. But like, you know, I knew that I was supported in the decisions that I made and, you know, what direction I wanted to take things. And, and so, so yeah, like I still was able to retain the kind of like, you know, freedom to run the business, how I, you know, saw fit, I, you know, of course, interested in input and ideas and feedback from, from my partner. But yeah, I still had the freedom and opportunity to, you know, run the business and grow it how I, you know, thought or wanted. And did that open up more access to capital? for you as well? Or were you just using the cash flow uh, of the business? Right. So yes, I forgot the another reason why I was interested is I thought that it would open up more access to capital. And this wasn't something that was actually, actually, I don't remember if it was explicitly discussed when we were coming to the initial agreement. But I definitely thought like, oh, all right, like this guy has a ton of money and e-commerce growth requires cash and okay like you know maybe down the line this could open up access to capital and, and yeah and then to answer and remember one of your questions from just a bit before is so the money that so the the sale price went into my bank account and so you know I sold 49% for x and that went into my personal bank account then we both like recapitalize the business with, you know, I don't remember how much, but, you know, put some money back in for, for kind of operating, for operating income. And yeah, so that was kind of where the money went. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you don't always hear the full story on the mechanics. So appreciate you sharing that. And then just real quick before we get into the exit portion is what happened next? Yeah, financially, so- revenue wise. <laughs> Oh, so, you know, business continued to grow. And yeah, you know, we had a a pretty strong, you know, continued to have a pretty strong, you know, next year. Yeah, I mean, I think it ended up, I don't know, like doubling in the next year around or, you know, something like that, which then, you know, kind of put us in a, in an interesting spot come around uh, around a year later when i don't know if i want to if you want me to you know uh yeah sure so let's let's go <laughs> yeah so you know and, and again also with like you know one of the thoughts or hopes of bringing on that investor was like oh well like you know this guy's had a, a really successful career and found a lot of great opportunities and i oh, like you know maybe this would lead to more good opportunities for you know me and and our business and you know, so fast forward about a year was catching up with my partner on, you know, just on a call. I was in Vietnam. I don't know where he was. And yeah, I was just kind of mentioning and, and it's kind of crazy. I was just like thinking, just like I just got back from a family trip and just like, you know, I don't know, the family trips are interesting because like you're not really working. So it's 
but you're, I don't know, we had a bunch of different car rides. And so it was just like thinking a lot about business and direction. I was like, oh, like, huh, like, I wonder, you know, maybe like down the road to be maybe like a Chinese person would be a good uh, buyer. I was like, all right, we like, you know, have this business, have this asset. Like, oh, I bet like Chinese people, like, yeah, like they, they could be a good buyer. <laughs> and anyway, you know, wasn't really acting much on that, but, you know, was catching up with my partner. And so he had previously sold a few businesses to this big Chinese company. And, you know, I mean, we were kind of catching up and then he just kind of mentioned like, oh, like, by the way, that company might be interested in buying our business. Like, you know, what do you think? And I was interested. And so, yeah, basically like three days later, was on a plane to China to meet with the, you know, meet with the business and the CEO. And, you know, long story short, came to an agreement to sell. So we we, we sold the, the USA side of the business for just under a million dollars. And yeah, that's, I guess, how that kind of uh, came about. <laughs> wow. So in just over a year, maybe a year and a half, you went from doing, I forget the first number, the first number I remember was around four and a half or $15,000 in revenue. And then a year and a half later, or a year later, not even a year later, you sell half the company and then you sell the whole company for a, mil, a million dollars or just under a million a year later. So that's a pretty quick turnaround from getting something that started working to taking some chips off the table to take even more chips off the table. That's a pretty awesome story. So do you still own the European piece of the business or outside of the US? Because you said this was just the US, right? Yeah. So so yes, still have the EU side. And just kind of a little explanation of why we you know sold the US one was like, so we had a bunch of like just kind of like products in production and launching on the EU side. And so like the, I don't know, the like it, it wasn't really at a, I don't know, it wasn't really at a place where it could sell versus where the US side, which had just kind of been, I don't know, weren't as aggressively launching products there. It was more just kind of running and profitable. And so it made that easier and more attractive acquisition. And then the other side was you know, yeah, like wasn't really at a, at a place. And so, so yeah, it did end up uh, keeping that as well as um, keeping um, most of my team that was running those businesses. That's a pretty awesome result. Normally when there's an exit that happens, you lose the cash flow. So to keep a cash flowing piece of the business, even if it wasn't as profitable or maybe even not profitable at the time, at least there was a cash flow generating machine that you got to hold on to. So taking chips off the table um, creates an interesting problem. We've had this conversation with a number of our clients. And uh, once the mindset change that happens, once you have go from cash flowing in to a pile of money in the bank depleting, that does some things with your head, right? It's a, it's a different totally. problem to have. So could you talk through a little bit about how that uh, changed your approach moving forward and then getting into some of the investing stuff as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, after that, you know, after we had the exit, you know, still had and was working on the EU side of the business. And, you know, but it was kind of something like thought that, I don't know, just thinking more like longer term about what direction do I want my career to be going in and you know, I had enough or got some money, you know, not enough to retire, not that I would want to, but, you know, enough to, you know, buy myself some kind of time and thinking about, you know, honestly, like a lot of really challenging questions, you know, what should I do? What am I good at? What's important? Uh, you know, what do I like? Where should I go? Who do I want to be with? Like all these, yeah, kind of like, you know, these, you know, wrestling with these like existential questions. And I had gone the previous year, and then went again the following summer. Um, attended uh, it's called um, the Blacksmith Camp or Sovereign Academy, put on by uh, the Sovereign Man community. And I mean that both years that I attended that camp were like super super impactful. You know, learned a ton. Some of the mentors there are still some of the smartest entrepreneurs that I've ever had the opportunity to you know meet and and learn from. And and yeah, it was like at that camp that summer that kind of got me thinking more about being an investor myself and you know some of the mentors there like they're very successful and experienced investors and you know I learned a lot and got really inspired and after that summer and you know it was interesting kind of like the switch of thinking like oh like all right like I want to be an investor a lot of it was you know mental kind of like you know self talk and 
imposter syndrome and it's like, oh, well, like, you know, I couldn't be an investor. Like, I don't know what to do or, you know, I couldn't do that. And, and then kind of a shift of just kind of being like, no, like, you know what? Like, why not? Like, all right, like, I want to do this. Like, you know, why can't I do this? And, and so, yeah, then after that summer, well, one of the things that I kind of learned, well, started to learn is if you want to be an investor, it's like, yeah, one thing about having some capital, but you got to find a deal. So that was kind of became like a big project after that summer was like, all right, like if I want to be an investor, like I got to find a deal. So, all right, first started looking at monitoring stuff on all the brokerages and looking at tons of prospectuses and, and, you know, that's cool. Like we saw a lot of businesses and I definitely just learned a lot, just looking at different prospectuses and seeing what's available. And one thing that I kind of also learned or realized was that, you know, understandably the overwhelmingly the businesses that you find on brokerages with a nice prospectus, they're going to be fairly or appropriately priced. They're going to have a very, you know, there's a, a somewhat of a standard of how much profit the business makes and how old it is and what kind of business to get like somewhat standard valuation process for businesses that you'll find from a broker or in a marketplace. And, you know, one thing that I kind of also realized was that I was shooting for, you know, trying to find better deals than normal, you know, and that I didn't really have, you know, I had some capital, but didn't have enough where I was just going to like, you know, throw it at something and and just kind of be a passive investor. You know, I was trying to get outsized returns from the capital that I invested. Then the way that I thought that I was able, you know, in order to do that, like I had to generate my own deal flow and I had to, you know, find some opportunities. They weren't just going to come, you know, nicely, you know, wrapped and, you know, handed to me. Like I had to go out and like find and create those opportunities. And so then that became yeah. the next kind of project or thing. And, and, you know, started like a lot of it, you know, putting myself out there, you know, did a bunch of podcasts and talked about my story and, you know, and a lot of the stuff like talking about what I, you know, a lot of like, you know, what I believed in and, you know, some of this looping back to, you know, my decision to take on an investor and still where I'm at now and in my career, like I'd rather get a smaller piece of a bigger pie. I'd rather work and collaborate with really smart people, like find the one plus one equals three opportunities. Like, I don't know, I guess the older that I've gotten, like the less ego I think that I have in, I don't know, whatever I'm pursuing. Like when, when I was younger, it was like, Oh, like, you know, I, I don't know, like I had something to prove, or I thought I had something to prove. And you know, like I wanted to do this myself and blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah, I can relate to that for sure. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, and then, you know, moving forward, like, I don't know, I guess I didn't, I don't know, just came more, you know, confident or mature in, in myself and, you know, where I was at and what opportunities I wanted. And like, oh, like, no, like, instead of trying to like, keep it all for myself, it's like, no, like, why not work with other, like, super smart and awesome and talented people and, you know, go after a bigger pie and just have like, more fun doing it and, you know, accelerate your learning curve and the growth. And anyway, so, you know, and that stuff that, you know, I started talking about that as well on these different podcasts and, and just kind of like keeping my eyes open for whatever might be, you know, a, an opportunity to invest. And, and that was something that I also like a, a lesson or something that I, I took away from, from blacksmith camp that summer was like, you know, it was like move forward with the first best opportunity. and. That's something also that I've definitely learned or change of thinking that I thought when I like first, you know, started to pursue investing. At first I thought like, oh, all right, like I got to go on all these podcasts and I got to do all this to market myself and grow my brand and get all this deal flow. And once I'm getting all this deal flow, then I'll find an opportunity. And, you know, what I've come to realize is that, you know, with deals, like it's like a one-to-one -one sort of thing. Like you don't need to have, you know, a hundred deals coming a week, you know, all you really need, I, I mean, certainly that would be useful. And I mean, depends on what sort of scale you're trying to invest or acquire, but you know, all you need to move forward is like, you just need one, you know, right opportunity. And yeah, so, you know, fast forward a little bit, you know, I was having some conversations and, you know, kind of exploring some stuff and, you know, towards the end of 2017, yeah, like kind of, you know, came was chatting with really awesome guy, Brent, who, 
had an Amazon PPC, like a small Amazon PPC agency. And I knew Brent because he actually had done some consulting for me and my business. And so I knew him, you know, we'd worked together. Uh, I knew he did good work, you know, really stand up guy. And, you know, I mean, it was in a space that I was, you know, familiar with, you know, Amazon PPC. And yeah, you know, that, you know, you know, kind of back to at the, at the beginning talking about the courage to, you know, like ask the questions at a certain point, you know, we were talking and then it just, just kind of asked like, Hey, like, might you be interested in, you know, exploring some sort of, you know, investment partnership, you know, sort of thing. And Brent was open and, and interested and yeah, you know, that's, you know, then that again, started the kind of dance over the next, you know, few weeks or month or so or whatever to come to an agreement um, and actually invested in in that business with my previous or other business partner who invested in my business. And yeah, you know, we came to an agreement to, you know, officially move forward sometime, I guess, early last year. Okay. And could you talk a little bit about the deal structure there? Is that 100% equity? Is it a debt structure? Is yeah. there any sort of payback it, for whatever you can yeah, reveal yeah, publicly? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, we, it was, it was 75% cash down. Um, and again, and we, you know, we, we bought a, you know, similar to when I sold the part of my business, it was like, you know, a minority, it was a, a large minority share, but you know, Brent was still the boss and the owner and, and, you know, he had the, the final decision, you, you know, it was ultimately his decisions. I mean, still is. And yeah, so it was like 75% cash down with 25%, you know, earn out over the, la- over the next, you know, year and kind of loosely, you know, loosely based off of, you know, there were some, you know, kind of revenue or sales targets in there. But, but also admittedly, I mean, you know, with all of the deals that I've done, and I mean, certainly have and continue to, you know, learn a ton about each of them. And, you know, I think I, I don't know, like get better at how things should be structured or this or that. But yeah, you know, we, a lot of stuff in like, you know, it's kind of like at its core is a lot of trust and trust that, you know, they're going to hold up their end of, you know, continuing to run this business. And, you know, I'm going to hold up, you know, my end and, and kind of the, the dynamic also, in, in which I really enjoy is like, I'm not just a passive investor, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like, I don't, I don't have enough money to just, you know, be a passive investor. And so, so yeah, you know, my role is kind of more, you know, investor advisor. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm like, I'm certainly not a, a micromanager, but, but yeah, but like, I, you know, want to help where I can, you know, have like gotten different team members of mine or that I, you know, had worked with to, you know, help support the business that I invested in. And, and yeah, just like, you, you know, being somewhat involved or, you know, clued in and, you know, getting on calls every week or so and catching up and, you know, especially, um, you know, being clear on what the quarterly priorities are. Um, you know, that's always, I mean, something that I really, you know, yeah, wants to be, um, you know, involved with and, you know, Brent's cool with that. And, and yeah, I mean, it's cool. You know, we actually, I think recently just passed the one year kind of like official mark, like, cause we kind of like came to a verbal agreement and then it took, you know, maybe another month or two to like, just get the documents kind of, you know, sorted. And anyway, I think we just recently passed the one year mark and super, you know, proud and excited to say that like the business is going super good. It's like, you know, more than doubled the size that, you know, the team has grown. Like it's really, the business has transformed from when I first got involved and yeah, it's been like overall great. I mean, like Brent's the man, the business is doing awesome. And my understanding is it's just been like a good situation for, you know, everyone and the business is on a, yeah, like continues to be on a really exciting trajectory. And so, yeah, that's kind of been the, well, was that was the the first deal then that um, I, you know, got involved with as an investor. Oh, awesome. So yeah, that's a good milestone, one year of officially uh, being the investor. So what other stuff have you looked at or invested in after that one deal? Yeah, so a couple things that I kind of learned or continue to learn, you know, about investing and, and also just kind of happiness and what I want to do. I mean, the investing stuff's cool. And like, I enjoy it generally, or so far, it's been going pretty well. But I also, you know, I also kind of knew or 
you know, realized that I wanted to be, I don't know, like it was important to me to have like my own thing. And, you know, there were times, you know, last year where I'd, I'd wake up and I'd have more money in my bank account than I ever had before. You know, I have a clear schedule, you know, it'd be like a Wednesday and I'd like, I'd do some yoga, I'd eat a healthy lunch. And, you know, then like, I kind of have the rest of the day free and, and like, you know, you think that like, oh, like, you know, that's the dream. But then when you're actually there, I don't know, it's not, I mean, it's nice, you know, sometimes, but like, I've definitely come to realize that for just kind of like, you know, personal happiness and well-being, like I really, you know, I get a lot of satisfaction from, you know, achievement and, you know, moving things forward. And, and it's like, I've realized that it's way less tied to actual amount of dollars generated from certain activities. I mean, listen, like making money is awesome and can, and closing big deals or good opportunities or big sales, like that's great, totally. But I've also realized that, you know, just for kind of, you know, well being and happiness and, you know, peace of mind, like it's like equally or, you know, differently, but, you know, also really um, impactful, just like, you know, making progress. And so, you know, having something that you are building and working on and, you know, being able to like, yeah, you know, make progress on moving this thing forward that you want to be. We'll come back to, you know, some of that more later, but to get back to your, you know, your question then about, uh, you know, additional deals. So then last summer, we saw this crypto website that became for sale on a marketplace that my same business partner that invested in my business that we both invested in the, the PPC business, you know, saw the site and like I, I had, you know, I guess like a lot of people gone pretty deep into the crypto scene and, you know, was like looking for another, you know, business to, you know, for me to kind of like, you know, run and, and be, you know, more involved with than, than just investor advisor, you know, came across this crypto website that we bought and that like I was kind of running for a while. And, you know, we thought we bought at the bottom of the market. And of course, the market kept going down. And anyway, yeah, a lot of things to kind of get into here. I mean, each of the deals, like there's so, you know, you, like you learn so much from all of them and, you know, about stuff that you, you know, might not think that, I don't know, not what you intend to learn. And anyway, so for a while, that was good. Just like to have something to do and, you know, an opportunity to connect with other people and find different opportunities. And, you know, kind of like, you know, we've talked about, like, I love talking to people and meeting new people and exploring opportunities with people. And so, yeah, like to have a new thing to explore opportunities, like that was cool. But, you know, again, then, you know, fast forward, kind of, I mean, with the market continuing to go down and, you know, kind of realize that like, oh, like, this isn't going to be my next, you know, like the next big thing for me either. And kind of was like, all right, like kind of getting back to like my roots, like, all right, well, like, what do I know? What do I enjoy? Like, all right, you know, I love entrepreneurship and online business and location independent business and distributed teams. And, you know, that's the stuff that I've really enjoyed about, you know, any of the businesses that I've been involved with. And, you know, as well as like the DC community that, you know, which is how we know each other. And yeah, you know, kind of got back to like... Before, before you get into that, because that's a perfect segue into what you're doing now. So just hang on two seconds there. I want to circle back to something. So you mentioned that entrepreneurial fire is how I would call it. So when you had a free schedule, it was numbing, right? There was nothing, there was no edge. I firmly believe as an entrepreneur, the way we're wired, we need risk. Mm-hmm. We need some. We need a chance of failure to actually move forward. That's the only way when you actually get the result, you see some success. There was risk involved. So I think that's how we're wired. We need uncomfortable situations. We need risk. We need that as much as everyone thinks, especially with Amazon, right? If you have an Amazon-based business, your income is single source. It comes from Amazon. So that can go away. And from time to time, it might. So there's a fear of loss there, but there's also the reward of the upside. So it's like a double-edged sword. So I think that's what you were experiencing there. And I've definitely experienced that at multiple times over the last few years as well, is you get that reminder whenever you think you're comfortable and you're set, there's you just can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> you need that friction in your life, I think, to move forward and feel alive. Mm-hmm. Totally. And uh, something to quote a good friend of mine who I, I think you know as well, my buddy Alec, uh, we were chatting about some of this stuff and kind of talking about this new business that I've been working on. And 
you know, he's like, he said that like, you know, people need to be assigned or have the right challenges in order for them to shine. And I think that's so, it's so true. You know, we need to like, you need to have the right opportunities in order to continued growth and, you know, moving more towards, you know, whatever your potential. And yeah, so that was kind of, you know, I was continuing to look for that, you know, after I, you know, made these couple of investments, actually, I made another investment in another friend's business. Uh, This was at the end of last year. And, you know, that was all cool. Like, you know, had, had a few of these investments, but, you know, again, was still looking for the next, you know, thing and the next, you know, opportunity and challenge that would allow me to, yeah, you know, keep growing and building and, you know, give me something to make progress on. And so now, you know, so this was at the end of last summer, you know, still kind of thinking of what opportunities, you know, there might be. And, you know, I mentioned when we sold the part of the Amazon business, you know, kept my team. You know, that's something like that I, you know, really like what I enjoy the most, or some of the things I enjoy the most in business is like, you know, hiring and team building and company culture. And I just think it's such an amazing opportunity and situation that we live in that, you know, I can be here in Bali and I can hire people in Russia or the Philippines or Mexico or America. And, you know, to have the opportunity to, you know, work with a distributed team and tap into the, you know, tap into the, yeah, the potential of, you know, working with people across the globe is just like, some of the coolest stuff that I I just think it's so cool. And, you know, in a lot of like the benefits that I've enjoyed being able to, you know, work and grow businesses while traveling, you know, all over the world. And so, yeah, like that's stuff that I'm really, really passionate about. And I just think is so, you know, so cool. And also like, I really care about my team. Like these are people that, you know, they'd work for me for a couple of years. You know, I visited them. I knew some of their family, like, you know, these people are really, really important to me. And like, they're amazing. They did, you know, they were pretty much running the Amazon businesses for me. All the stuff that like, I'll admit, like, I'm not a super, I'm I'm not super skilled at, you know, many things, you know, maybe like you mentioned, I'm, I like asking questions, but like in terms of, I don't know, you know, finance or operations, or if anything, the skill is like finding far better people and more capable people than I am, you know, and empowering them and getting them into the right roles to, you know, run the business better than I would. And so, yeah, so I had this great team, you know, really well trained. They've been working in my, you know, e-commerce businesses for, you know, multiple years, you know, really good people. And yeah, like I wanted, you know, a big motivator for me was like, I felt a responsibility and, you know, just was like driven to, you know, find more opportunities, not just for me, but for them. Like I, you know, I wanted to be able to provide good opportunities for them, you know, now, this year, next year, you know, long term. And, you know, so then it kind of got me thinking like, oh, well, like, you know, I have these, these, you know, this great trained team and the workload on the capacity on the EU business, like it wasn't keeping everybody, I don't know, like they, you know, we had capacity, but like, I didn't want to fire the team because, you know, like I've said, like, they're really important to me. I want to find opportunities for them. And so I started, you know, just kind of ask thinking, or I was like, oh, like, I wonder if, you know, like there were some other people that wanted help with the things that I originally hired them for. And so just kind of started floating the idea to some friends and, you know, pretty quickly found someone that like, you know, it's like, oh, hey, like, you know, we can handle your, you know, supply chain and finance. It's like, oh, like, do you enjoy doing those things? He's like, no. <laughs> like, you know, he's like, wait, that's the best part of the business. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, and so, so yeah, he's like, he's like, wow, like, no, this is exactly what I need. I was like, oh, great. You know, we can help. And so, so yeah, that became our first client or customer for uh, this new business. Yeah. Then, you know, we kind of, you know, over the next few months, you know, found a couple other opportunities to, support a few of these other businesses and and you know to this point they've all been friends of mine i mean like i've i mean i think i said or alluded to but like all the best opportunities you know for everything in my life have come from you know the amazing network and community of people that i have the good fortune to you know know or or be a part of and and so yeah you know this business being being no exception you know was able to you know find a handful of different you know businesses or people that you know, wanted help with the, 
services that we were offering. And, you know, for them, I thought, I mean, it made sense to me. I thought it was a pretty, you know, compelling pitch of like, all right, you know, you do, you know, whatever you enjoy, you know, products or branding or JV or marketing, like whatever the fun stuff that you enjoy, what you're good at, you know, great. You know, you focus on that and like, let us handle all the stuff that, you know, needs to get done, but isn't going to grow the business and isn't particularly, you know, fun. So, you know, supply chain, you know, making sure your goods get from, you know, where they are to where they need to be and staying in stock and, you know, some of the finance stuff that like, again, is a necessary piece, especially if you're, you ever want to sell or you ever want to, you know, explore taking on investment, like you just need to have, you know, accurate, you know, books and cost of goods and P&L and, you know, all this kind of stuff that's just like is necessary to run a business, but isn't going to grow the business. And so, so yeah, you know, found some interesting opportunities, you know, supporting friends of mine and their businesses and allowing them to offload and, you know, kind of delegate some of the stuff that they, you know, didn't want to do. And yeah, and then kind of, you know, moving forward, we've, you know, found some, you know, recently some more interesting opportunities now supporting some larger businesses, you know, some like pretty sizable uh, resellers as well as funds. And it's been interesting. And, and you know, we're kind of, I mean, the business is still, it's pretty new, you know, and we're definitely <clears throat> trying to figure out the long-term vision and what the best opportunity for us to add value and, you know, receive value and long-term, you know, benefit for everyone. But, but yeah, it's been cool. We've been finding some interesting opportunities with these, you know, larger businesses that like, you know, we start doing, you know, X and then, you know, they're happy with the work. And I mean, and we've got an amazing team, you know, great people that, you know, really know what they're doing. And a big benefit of working with us is like, we scale really well, because, you know, we have a great team, we have a great culture, you know, we're really good at hiring, we're really good at training, we're really good at onboarding. And so for these businesses, you know, they're like, all right, you know, we're going to be adding on, you know, X accounts every month. I was like, all right, great. <laughs> you know, the more the better. Or like, all right, you know, we need you to make, you know, a hundred product listings, you know, in two weeks. Like, all right, fine, whatever. <laughs> you know, just like bring it on, whatever it is, you know, we can handle it. And so yeah, that's, finding that's that- pretty <laughs> sorry, yeah, that's pretty amazing. We deal with a lot of uh, groups that are actively acquiring brands and businesses, and that's we were talking before we hit record that how how much of a, a pain point that is. And oftentimes I find that the buy side overestimates capability. They just may not know until they're actually running a business what it takes to run an Amazon-based brand. You know, maybe they're trying to they're focused on acquiring as many as possible, but when it comes to operating, they really have to run to keep up with that. So I think that we've uh, introduced some people, and I think that could be a really interesting space because that's such a pain point of knowing not only knowing Amazon, but knowing your logistics supply chain and the finance side as well as helpful, especially when it comes to cost of goods. Even some of the large deals we're prepping to take to market right now, this the finances are always the biggest roadblock <laughs> to getting accurate numbers to take to market is, is our number one pain point ourselves. So I might talk to you about that after the call. Um, <laughs> so that's awesome. So I want to get to what the company's called. So it's called Sellerplex, your new new business. Yes. And so as well as funds, what would be the ideal clients? If I'm listening to this episode and I think, oh, I need help with logistics, I need help with finance, maybe I'll reach out. Is it just go to the website or is there mm. some thresholds of yeah. what type <clears throat> of client would be best? So it seems like right now we're, we're kind of developing like two different buckets of kind of ideal customers and, you know, still kind of, I don't know, figuring out which one or maybe it's both. But yeah, on one hand is like, you know, small teams or, you know, solo, you know, founders or, you know, sellers that, you know, are getting traction and like, you know, want to expand their operations, but they don't enjoy or aren't as experienced with the hiring and the training and and also in some of these areas like you know supply chain and finance that you know I, I personally you know don't know very much about and and so you know so for them it's like all right if if they're if they're growing and expanding and you know if they you know love launching products and marketing but like they don't get particularly excited or don't have the experience you know hiring and training and managing and all that kind of stuff, 
then yeah, I think we're a good fit because you know we've got a ton of experience and processes and systems and SOPs. And so, you know, instead of them trying to like hire and train and onboard someone on their own team, it's like they can hire us and we basically, you know, train and onboard them and like get set up with a lot of these systems that, you know, we've built from running our businesses. And now we get, you know, really cool experience and exposure, you know, working in other people's businesses to just, you know, get really good systems and processes and foundations and Anyway, and so, you know, those businesses like, you know, million plus revenue, you know, our services start at, you know, on the low end, like a couple thousand dollars a month. And so it's not for someone if they're trying to find, you know, $500 a month VA to do da da da, like, you know, we're very skilled and experienced. And so, you know, you get that from working with us. And I mean, I guess if you're a smaller business and, you know, you, you, you know, are willing to pay more, uh, that's okay. But our, you know, our services start at, you know, around a, a couple grand a month for, you know, the solo brands. And, and then, you know, on the other side, and like I said, more recently, and what's, I don't know, I guess like maybe the, I guess maybe the current, I don't know, maybe like most interesting or potentially exciting is this opportunity to work with like, you know, bigger brands and funds. And yeah, like, you know, again, I think that a big, you know, maybe our strongest, our, our biggest strength or asset is our ability to, you know, scale. And like, you know, for us, I mean, it, you know, certainly could be a challenge, but like, you know, we can handle, you know, one, two, five, ten, like, you know, whatever the workload at this point, you know, confident that we can effectively scale and grow and, you know, grow our team to manage whatever that is. And yeah, and it's like, you know, and again, we've got a really strong place where we're starting from because, you know, I mean, the team has expanded the last few months, but we still have like, I mean, we've got a lot of great experience and a lot of smart people. And so that's some of the other benefit that any of these businesses get from working with us is it's like, you know, maybe, you know, one or two people are the, you know, kind of like point of contact or project managers for the supply chain work or the finance work or something also that we're actually finding a lot of people have a big pain is like catalog management, you know, dealing with seller support and listings, get this or that. And like, you know, we've got great people that just know how to, you know, fix those issues. Anyway, you know, when you're working with us, it's like, you don't just get, you know, Lena or Carissa or Ivan, or you really get the knowledge base and support and training of this entire team. So yeah, there's, you know, but- we... I was talking to a group, actually. I've been talking to them for about a year overall, and they have about 10,000 SKUs <laughs> that they manage. So talk about catalog management. That's a nightmare. Optimizing all those listings is is a, a pain point for sure. And then obviously, the logistics on the other side as well. Mm-hmm. But is there a size? You mentioned 2, 3, 10. You're talking about brands or companies there that you could onboard at one time. Is there a, a SKU limit? If someone has 100,000 SKUs, um, obviously that would take some time. But is there a comfortable level, do you think? I mean, you know, at this point, like, I mean, recognize that the bigger the project or scope, like, you know, certainly would be a challenge. And, you know, I'm not going to say that we can do any and all of these things, you know, tomorrow. But I mean, you know, until this point, I don't know. We've got like, I'm confident, you know, that we could figure it out. And like, I know it'd be, again, I'm not saying it would be like without challenge. And, you know, my team too, when this first, you know, one of these, this, you know, this big reseller business that we work with, like, you know, we were kind of doing this. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, I had a call or like, you know, one person on my team was like, Nate, like, oh, like, they just gave us this huge project. They, they need like, you know, 50 listings done and they want it done by, you know, da, 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 da. I was like, all right, like, it's okay. You know, calm down. Like, you know, we can do this, like, we'll figure it out. <laughs> and yeah, like, you know, fast forward. And, and yeah, you know, we were able to figure that out. And like, yeah, like, we did have to bring on some additional help. Um, and we did have to, like, get better, you know, processes and organization in place to be able to do that. Um, you know, as we do, whether it's, you know, creating or, you know, optimizing a ton of listings at scale, or whether it's, you know, onboarding and getting organizations set up in place from, you know, businesses that are acquired that like, I'm also under, you know, learning and realize and as I'm, you know, like you've alluded to, like a lot of them are a mess, like they're, you know, book, the finances are a mess and the, you know, invoices and the POs and, and just like the way that like the structure is, you know, it's really like, 
I don't know, they're just, you know, messy. And then as well as then trying to get, you know, them into, you know, like, you know, we've got like, you know, systems for how we, you know, track and manage inventory and reorders and coordinate with this and that and how we, you know, keep track of all the files, you know, that need to be organized so that you can, you know, calculate accurate cost of goods so you can have accurate finances and just so that stuff's, you know, organized. And, you know, and again, like this, that's not to say that we, as our workload, you know, has increased and as we've gotten, you know, more experience and exposure to these, like, you know, like bigger scaled projects, you know, all just like our organization keeps getting better, you know, our hiring and training keeps getting better. And so, I mean, back to, you know, to, to your question, like, I mean, I would see, you know, as big of a project, like, you know, I would just see that as a big challenge and opportunity. And like, I don't know, like at this point, like, I don't know if I would, you know, time frame is something if you want, oh, we need 10,000 listings tomorrow you know, that would be challenging. But like, if you needed 10,000 listings in two weeks or a month or, you know, whatever it is, like, I don't know, you know, we've got really good organization and training in place. So like, maybe we need to hire 10 people and like, or maybe you need to hire, you know, five or or whatever. Like we can kind of, you know, we can scale the work just by, you know, hiring more people because we have good, you know, training and systems and processes and, you know, around how to do a lot of these things. I think that's amazing. And, you know, if, if your eyes are glazing over when we're talking about finance here, you should definitely reach out to Nate or get some help with that. But the biggest takeaway from your story, from my perspective at least, is to see where you've come from as an outsider looking in, like we catch up maybe a few times a year if we're lucky or once a year maybe, but then we do calls and stuff. So I'm constantly observing from the sideline. But what I've seen is you've managed to capitalize on the opportunity, it's not a bouncing from one thing to another. It's looking at what you're building, looking at your skill set, being real with yourself, being true to who you really are and what you like, and then scaling that. And this business, there's so much passion when you're talking about this. And I I love the fact that you're, um, you're building this for your team, essentially, to give them more opportunities. And you're seeing opportunities, problems in the marketplace where your team can help. So you're literally hunting for opportunities for your team. I think once you step outside of your own needs, so your own day to day, your own financial security, once you step out of that and start doing something bigger, that has more meaning and has more potentially more people involved. It's more rewarding. You're responsible for more people and there's more friction there, but also more reward. So it's pretty awesome that you've come through this whole journey. And I I really appreciate your time today to talk about this because I'm just a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan of what you're doing. Well, so I love it, man. Right. Well, I appreciate, I mean, all that and, and, you know, and the kind words and yeah, I mean, the feeling is certainly mutual, you know, it's, you know, it's crazy thinking back, like, I think I remember, you know, we were, we were chatting one time, specifically, like, after I gave a presentation on, you know, how to do Pinterest marketing or something, and, and like, you know, catching up with you, you know, then and, you know, whatever you were doing, and, you know, both, you know, fast forward, and, you know, yeah, like, you know, we've, you know, spoken about this before. And it's just like, I mean, you know, been amazing to, you know, be on this journey together, and, you know, to see where your business, you know, has grown and direction it's going in. And, you know, the opportunities that you're, you know, looking at and pursuing now, like, super inspiring and amazing. And, you know, it's an honor and a pleasure to get to share my story, you know, with your audience and on your show. And, and yeah, just looking forward to more opportunities to, you know, hopefully, you know, get to work together and support each other in, you know, who knows what, but, you know, whatever down the line, you know, like you said, I know both of us like taking this long-term view, you know, how can we add value, you know, what sort of, you know, like assets can we, you know, build or hone to, you know, find good opportunities, you know, for the long-term. Yeah, Yeah, I think long-term's where it's at, mate, for sure. And thanks for those kind words too. Yeah, (laughs) Awesome. Well, how can people reach out to you, Nate? Yeah. Yeah. uh, If anyone, I mean, is curious to, you know, chat about, yeah, you know, any of this stuff, any of the services that Sellerplex might be able to support you and your business, as well as the investing stuff. I just like enjoy and, you know, happy to chat about that too. Yeah. You can reach me at nate at sellerplex.com. We're finishing up the website. Hopefully we'll be done. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much done, but, but yeah, sellerplex.com and nate at sellerplex.com. Happy to chat, happy to connect, love to connect with, you know, new and interesting people. 
And yeah, just appreciate the time and the opportunity to share and chat. And we'll have to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. I've got so much more I want to talk about with you, but we'll have to save that for another time. I'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes. And if you search, if you don't mind, I might put a link to your Instagram as well. Your Instagram stuff is pretty impressive, mate. You've been uh, working on that yoga for a while. And yeah, it's it's bloody impressive. Cheers, man. Yeah. at, At Nate Ginsburg, if you like, you know, yoga and handstand and, you know, some travel pictures. Yeah. Would love to follow, love to connect, you know, Instagram, email. Yeah, Facebook, anything. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks so much for jumping on the show. I hope, well, I know people will get a lot out of this episode. So thanks so much, brother, for coming on. And yeah, we'll definitely have part two coming up shortly. It sounds good, Corin. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to another episode of Truth About Exits. Now, whenever you're ready, here are three ways I can help you. If your company is doing between 10 to 50 million plus in revenue and you want help to plan your perfect exit to achieve the highest value and best deal terms possible, or if you'd like advice on acquiring other companies to continue to grow your company, we can help. Go to truthaboutexits.com forward slash consult. There you'll see a simple form to tell us a little bit more about you, your company and your goals. And my team and I will take it from there. So go to truthaboutexits.com forward slash consult. The second way I can help is become a guest on our show. If you've had a successful exit, you want to share your story, or if you're actively acquiring other businesses and want to share your criteria with our audience, go to truthaboutexits.com forward slash guest. Let's connect and I'd love to talk to you. The third way I can help you is one of my favorite things in the entire world is sharing the truth about exit stories with other entrepreneurs by speaking at events all over the world. So far, I've had the privilege of speaking at events in the US, Canada, UK, Spain, Germany, Ukraine, Czech Republic, over in Asia, China, Hong Kong, Thailand, and even Australia. If you'd like me to speak at your next event, go to truthaboutexits.com forward slash speaker and tell me a little bit more about your event and we'll go from there. Thanks for listening and I'll see you on the next episode.